When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama! What a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. We call our pregame edition the tailgate. My name is Chris Plank. And as always, appreciate you downloading Soonersports.tv slash podcast, where you can also subscribe. Please do so through iTunes, through Google Play, through Stitcher. However you consume podcasts, we've got you covered at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. The game this week between Oklahoma and Baylor has been overshadowed just a bit by the news that broke on Wednesday that David Bourne will be retiring in June. So coming up on the show, I wanted to bring in a guy that has covered David Bourne pretty closely on campus, George Stoya for the OU Daily. He runs the uh, sports side, I think pretty much runs everything over at the Daily. We got George coming on with us to give us some perspective on David Bourne as a president, the press conference on Wednesday, and it wasn't the only press conference we had on Wednesday. So we hit campus. We talked to George Stoya coming up later in the program. And we get some perspective from the beat writers. I kind of like to do a writer's block segment every so often on the on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Eric Bailey and Ryan Aber will join us. Eric writes for the Tulsa World. Ryan writes for the Oklahoman. We'll get their perspective on exactly what to expect this weekend against Baylor, what they've seen so far in 2017, and how they feel about covering Lincoln Riley so far now that we're just about four games in. So obviously a lot to get to on the retirement of David born what an amazing president what an amazing reign you know it's september 22nd as this podcast drops so we have a lot of time between now and june and as president born said on wednesday still some work to do 
So it's not like he's just gliding into retirement. Man's still working hard and busting it to see all of his visions realized. And I can't say this enough. I say this a lot on my radio show. Where I went to school, we had a president that did not emphasize athletics. And our school suffered. Our university suffered through my first couple of years. The commitment that David Bourne has shown to athletics and the vision in hiring names like Patty Gasso and being involved in the hiring of Sherry Cole and bringing Joe Castiglione to campus. I mean, are you kidding me? What a hire. So to see the way that he has committed to athletics and in doing so, the overall student life environment, I mean, it's just I, when people ask what it's like for a 40-year-old to pretty much work on a college campus, my reaction is always it's invigorating. You know, it's kind of like a rejuvenation. And the power that David Bourne had consistently given the students and how he made that student life something that was not only educational, obviously, but informative and fun and worth it, it's, it's, been, it's been reassuring, I think is a good adjective to use here in hearing the way that people have talked about what this president meant to them as, as a student, and now for many that have carried over to their professional careers as well, too. So we have a lot of time over the next couple of months to talk about the career and obviously the achievements of David Bourne, and we'll do that, but we'll focus on that a little bit later on in the podcast with George Stoya. We do have a game to get to. As Oklahoma takes on Baylor this Saturday at 5.30, we'll be on the air with the Sooner Radio Network at 3.30. As always, you can download the TuneIn Radio app, or if you're traveling, you can find all of our affiliates on Soonersports.com. Sooner is rolling at number three in both polls at 3-0. and Baylor off to a tough start. 0-3, that uh, tough loss to Liberty to start the season, an embarrassing defeat to UTSA, and they turned the ball over just uh, too many times in their loss to Duke to fall to 0-3. But, you know, that, that charge down in Waco is very simple. It's Big 12 season. You wipe the slate clean. Everything that happened before this does not matter. That was the message that Lincoln Riley laid out in his Monday press conference. Hey, we got to be prepared for just about anything. The Sooners are currently riding the nation's longest active winning streak, 13 straight games. And they also own a 12-game true road winning streak. So in other words, not only have they won 13 straight games, but they've won their last 12 true road games. It's the third longest streak in Sooner football history. And how about the job of Baker Mayfield so far? Threw for 331 yards and four touchdowns without an interception in the win over Tulane. But when we caught up with Baker post-game on Saturday, he didn't feel good about his performance. We gave him 24 hours to watch the tape and kind of reflect on it. We caught up with Baker earlier this week and asked him, where he wanted to improve after he watched the tape and saw some of what had frustrated him on Saturday. I wouldn't give my guys a chance to make plays in the ball. You know, we've been hammering on the head for a while here that we want receivers to come here and compete for the ball and go up and get it and act like it's theirs. You know, have have that that dog in them to you know make those competitive catches in big time moments. But Saturday for me, I, I didn't give them chances to do that. So that that's on me, and um, so I'll have to work on that to fix it. You know, a moment that stood out to me was late in the game when Orlando Brown Jr. drew a personal foul. It was like a growth moment. How proud of you, of him, were you whenever you saw him not get suckered in like that? Oh, you have no idea. Uh, um, uh, Not just me. I think everybody on the team was very happy for him, the fact that it wasn't him getting the 15-yarder. And so um, we we kind of have a running joke that, you know, we we thought he was going to have over under about five penalties this year. But so far he has zero, so we'll take it. Overall, how impressed have you been when you get a chance to go back and look at the job your O-line's doing? 
they're doing a great job. And, you know, I think the biggest thing that stands out for us is the fact that, you know, we started off the year with Ben Powers and then Cody Ford rotated in at Ohio State and then, you know, Cody got hurt and so we put Ben back in. I think it's just been the fact that no matter who's in there, they're they're playing as a unit. And I think that's contributed to how they, they worked as a, as a, we call it the herd, and the, the herd mentality the O-line has. They, they worked together all all summer and they did it well. And so um, I, I think just the fact that they're, it doesn't matter who's in there, they're playing at a high level. The postgame celebration was a little extra special because of the special spectators. You're good at giving back. This whole team looks at it not as an obligation but as a want to. So how special was that for you guys? It's awesome. You know, to get the privilege to put a smile on a kid's face, uh, it goes a long way. You know, it, it makes us happy, yeah, but I don't think we could ever put it in perspective how much it means to them. So just, just realizing that and, you know, realizing that we're in such a great position, we've been very blessed to be able to give back. And so, it, yeah, it's a want to, but at the same time, I, I love it. So Rich Eisen was supposed to hook you up with Brett Favre. Has that happened yet? He did text me. He <laughs> shot me a text, uh, you know, said he'd stay in contact. He loves the way I play. So we'll see how it goes from there. Yeah, and what would be your first, what's your first question to Brett then? What are you going to throw to him? I asked him if he had ever done any quarterback coaching. So we'll see how that, that goes. <laughs> hey, a final thought. How do you feel about the progression? Obviously, you talk about your receivers going up and making plays, but seeing C.D. Lamb, seeing just about 15, 16 guys, how impressed are you with the way this receiving core has developed? They've stepped up the challenge. Uh, you know, I, I think those guys have played with a huge chip on their shoulder, which, which I love, obviously. But I think they've just played exceptionally well. And so not necessarily saying that we all have it figured out, but, but they have they've done so well so far. And we just got to keep getting better, which is a scary thought that we can keep getting better. Pretty incredible stat this year. OU has thrown 12 touchdown passes this year and has not been intercepted. The only team who has thrown more touchdown passes without an interception is UCLA at 13 and zero. And Boy, the one thing that was kind of cool is to hear Baker talk about touching base with Brett Favre. If there was ever a prototype, a carbon copy of an NFL quarterback, it's number three. It's number six and compared to number four. Brett Favre, Baker Mayfield almost look like one and the same sometimes with the magic tricks that Baker Mayfield is able to pull out of his hat on the field. Well, Mark Andrews has been the recipient of many a key pass so far in 2017. As a matter of fact, Andrews, despite battling through a leg injury, 13 catches, 333 yards, 233 yards, and averaging 18 yards per catch. But as we mentioned, he's been battling a little bit of a left leg ailment. When we caught up with Mark, we asked him how he's doing and how he's feeling health. I'm doing a lot better. You know, um, got banged up the last couple of weeks, but um, I'm feeling good. Um, you know, nothing too serious after this game, so I'm I'm, I'm really feeling healthy right now. And you're time at the podium you said hey it's a it was a situation on Saturday where I could have come back in so is it just maintaining and treating it during the week and getting the proper treatment you need yeah you know it's it's always getting in the training room and and with those guys icing you know getting some stem and um, just doing everything you can um, to be 100 percent and um, that's what I've been doing and it's worked out so far how fun has it been for you to be able to find so many gaps in defenses so far this year to have the big game against UTEP a good start against Ohio State and obviously have some opportunities on Saturday Uh, defenses are starting to pay attention obviously and they should but what's allowed you to have so much success I'm um, just a game plan you know not you know a lot of that you know is, is the coaching and, and where they tell us to be and then um, obviously Baker um, Baker putting the ball on me where it needs to be and um, you know I credit them um, the coaching staff and the plays and, and then and Baker and, and everyone else you know the, the receivers around me I know you talked in the preseason about wanting to continue and improve your physicality how do you feel you have done on that level the running game seems to be clicking but for you physically blocking do you feel like you're where you want to be right now 
Yeah, you know, I think you know, open field blocking. There's there's not too many that are that are better than me. And inline blocking, you know, it's still coming along. And um, you know, as I grow throughout the games and, and get more experience and do that sort of thing, it's 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 only getting better. That inside receiver position in general, because you lose Nick Basquin before the season, but you got Grant Calcaterra there. We've seen a couple. Michael Jones has made a couple of catches. I know people refer to you more as a tight end, but as a true inside receiver, how have you seen the growth at that position minus Nick Basquin this year? I think there's a lot of maturity um, in this group, and um, there's a lot of guys that you know stepped up and made those big plays. You know, Lee Morris and, and then Ohio State games is you know a walk on. You know, making a huge uh, touchdown in that sort of game is it's incredible. And all these guys are you know are locked in and, and ready to go, and um, Michael as well, and Grant. You know, those guys are stepping up and making those plays. You know, it was kind of cool on Saturday. I don't know if you were in treatment, but the special spectators being there. You guys have always treated community service as something you want to do, not something you have to do. How how special are those moments that you get to spend with the special? Spectator, Special Olympics, and so many different community outreach programs. Uh, it is special, you know, and those 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 kids, you know, love it. You know, they look forward to that sort of thing, and you know, it makes their year, makes their day, whatever it may be. And um, so, just being able to, you know, give back to the community and give back to those kids is, um, you know, it's the least we can do. If you haven't watched the special spectators piece on SoonerSports.tv, do yourself a favor and go check it out now. Jessica Cootie does an incredible job with that piece, and it. Uh, It changes your perspective. It's really well done, and it's awesome to see the way. You heard Baker talk about it and then Mark Andrews. It's awesome to see the way that the Sooner athletes beyond just football, I mean baseball, softball, basketball, have all embraced their community involvement. It was a special Saturday. Uh, Speaking of special, the defense adjusted, got their first pick six of the season thanks to Parnell Motley and the senior leader of that defense is Stephen Parker. We caught up with uh, Stephen and kind of got his perspective on how well the defense adjusted and how challenging it was to adapt to something Tulane was doing that this team probably won't see again this season. Uh, I feel pretty good. Uh, you know, um, we've been playing good, you know, up to this point and, you know, we're going to continue to play good and prepare well. What was the adjustment on Saturday? It seemed like after a couple of series, maybe guys overrunning a bit, but what, what, what clicked for this defense on Saturday? Uh, I mean, really just, um, you know, just finding our, you know, we, we've been already found our DNA, but really just, you know, making sure that we're staying in our gaps and playing fundamentally sound. And that's what's really keeping this defense going along with basically making up with some of the, um, making up the mistakes with some of, you know, our running to the ball. So, I mean, that that's going to limit a lot of, a lot of, a uh, lot of different, you know, plays. It seems like this team doesn't allow anything to linger. In other words, something bad happens, you move on from it. Is that about leadership and you guys not letting anything linger for this team? I definitely say so. I mean, it's about the leadership, and I mean, it's just uh, just about the people that's in the room with us. You know, uh, the people that's out there on the field. I mean, everybody kind of plays a part, and you, you know, once they figure it out, once we you know make our adjustments, everyone is learning on the fly. How proud have you been of the job that Khalil Houghton has done? Uh, kind of impressed in action with Will Johnson's injury and Robert Barnes, but it seems like Khalil's really stepped up. Oh yeah, Khalil stepped up in a major way. I mean, we've been talking about that a lot, and you know, it's finally his time to shine. So he's he's doing it. How tough is that to prepare for whenever it's an attack that you don't typically see? And you're going to see it maybe once a year. Can you take us through what that challenge is like? Because it's tough for the scout team to even emulate that speed, isn't it? Uh, it's definitely tough for the for the scout team to emulate the speed and, and just – just, you know, really just, you know, the plays in general. I mean, like you said, we only see it once a once a year, you know, th- that type of thing. So it's just it's very different. It's hard to prepare for, but um, at the same time, I mean, we, we make up, you know, with, with effort, you know, to the ball. So that, that's really what it is. It was pretty awesome to see the defense make the game-changing play with the Khalil Houghton – or excuse me, uh, the Pernell Motley interception. So what kind of difference has he made this year with the way that he stepped up? 
He's made a major difference. I mean, we have basically another corner that, you know, that, that has stepped up and has been making plays, and, you know, Piedmont's going to continue to do that. Still pretty special when you look next to you and see Jordan Thomas out there. Definitely, always. <laughs> How has he continued to improve? Because here's a guy that doesn't see a lot of targets, so it's got to be challenging, and then suddenly you're called upon and people might start trying to attack you. How have you seen him continue to grow as a corner? Uh, I mean, he's just been more patient. I mean, he's not he's not trying to do too much. He's just doing his job. And, I mean, that, that's really all you can do. I mean, especially if there's not a lot of people going at you. You know, he, he just needs to basically settle down, making sure that he's playing smart and, you know, doing everything he's supposed to do. When you look in front of you and you see that freshman Mike linebacker, what's caught your eye about the development of Kenneth Murray? Um, I mean, just... Just the nag, you know, the nag for the game. I mean, you could just see it. You know, he might make a mistake. You know, he might make it twice, but he will fix it. And you know, as soon as he fixes, I mean, he runs to the ball and he's physical. So he, he, that's one dude right there that you know that a lot of people don't want to mess with. I have a final thought: that communication defensively really seems to have. I don't want to say improved, but it seems like it's on point. Is that going back to crediting leadership and, and maybe even the coaches and Kerry Cooks and Tim Kish and Ruffin and Coach Tibbs over there? Uh, definitely. I mean, we even had um, a little slideshow over, I mean, just about communication, how key it is and how important it is. And, you know, we, we've all done a great job of communicating and, and making sure that everybody's getting a call. So there's Baker Mayfield, Mark Andrews, and Stephen Parker as we get set for Oklahoma and Baylor. 5.30 kick down in Waco on Saturday evening. Let's get the beat writer's perspective. Early in the week, I talked to Ryan Aber, the Oklahoman beat writer. Just kind of got his perspective on how he feels about where Oklahoma is three games into 2017. Well, Ryan, have you been surprised by how much buzz is still around the C.D. Lamb ejection? Uh, a little bit, just because it happened in the first half. So it's not like he's going to miss any time. Uh, this week against Baylor, it's not like uh, he didn't have a massive game on Saturday or that OU didn't have offensive success. I think it was just one of those things that was frustrating for a lot of people on the Sooner side to see a player like that get ejected uh, for that hit, which most a lot of people felt was a, a clean hit. I got to admit, uh, and I spent most of my first segment today talking about it, I think Lincoln Riley handled that exceptionally yesterday. You know, there's always this thought that, oh, you got to be careful in saying anything about the officials because uh, you are a coach, so you could find yourself in, in, in trouble with the conference. But I thought the way that he handled things yesterday was, was pretty smart and, and pretty on point. Ryan, what did you think? Obviously, I, have a, I might be coming at it from a homer's <laughs> perspective, but what did you think? Well, I'll tell you, I'm pretty much right there with you. I thought he made it very clear what he felt, how he felt about the call, but he certainly didn't question the officials or even question the replay booth at all, other than to say he felt like if there wasn't a 100% uh, chance that it happened, that the flag should be picked up. Unfortunately, the rule is the opposite. It says if there is any chance that the, the uh, targeting happened, then you're supposed to call it. But, uh, yeah, I thought Lincoln Riley handled it about as well as he could have. Uh, made it very clear how he felt, but didn't take swipes at officials or, or anything like that at all. Yeah, and I think that that was kind of the point we were bringing up, is if you get too emotional sometimes, it can get personal, but he was really sharp about that. And i got to be honest with you, one of my favorite things from Big 12 Media Day is is Walt Anderson's briefing that he does with everybody. And then this week they send out the email with, hey, here are some of the points that we've been emphasizing to our officials. So to the Big 12's credit, Ryan, they've been pretty open as far as trying to better explain not just to coaches but to us about what they're looking at and what they're emphasizing. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I'm with you. I love 
listening to, to Walt give his presentation every year and talking with him afterwards because invariably there's a couple questions that we have, whether it's about uh, the targeting rule or about the coaches coming onto the field uh, issue, which is a big point of emphasis this year. And uh, also, uh, not only those, those couple things that you mentioned, but Walt Anderson also makes sure that the, the Big 12's officiating meeting is open. I've actually went uh, a couple years ago, my colleague Barry Trammell, uh, has gone several times, and it's really interesting to sit in on the classes that they give these officials during their uh, meeting uh, over the summer in Dallas, and also to chat with not only Walt Anderson, but uh, some of the other uh, Big 12 officials and some of the other conferences that uh, meet up down there as well. We're hanging out with Ryan Aber. He covers the Sooners for the Oklahoman. Uh, Saturday night was one of those games where it took a little bit of time for the Sooners to get going. But, Ryan, when they did, the, the defense eventually clicked. Is that concerning on any level that, may, for instance, against UTEP, it took them a series, against Tulane, it took them a while. Does that raise any red flags to you at all? You know, I'm not sure yet. Let's see if it happens uh, this week or, or moving forward because against UTEP, they're running a, a freshman middle linebacker out there who had never played at all, and that was a, a big part of their issues on that first series was uh, Kenneth Murray and, and where he was and what he was doing. And then, to me, against Tulane, I mean, they had, what, two and a half drives that sort of got away from them early in the game. Part of that was on Kenneth Murray uh, getting a little too excited against that spread option, and if you uh, over-pursue in a spread option, you can end mm-hmm. up in – a world of danger, and it wasn't just Murray. It was a couple of the other guys on defense as well. Once they got that figured out, they were okay. They're not going to face another offense like that this season. Uh, let's let's see what happens this week, and if, if it continues to be a problem, then it's an issue. But if they, they start getting it right after it uh, from the get-go, that uh, will make me think it was just a sort of a blip on the radar, those uh, – first two out of three games where they started slowly. What have you What have you seen from Kenneth Murray this year that stands out to you? I mean, what, has, has he really caught your eye? I know Teddy's been pretty impressed, but what's caught your eye about the true freshman Mike Linebacker? Yeah, I think just, just the way he's handled himself. I mean, this is one of the hardest positions for a true freshman to get out there and do from the start just because it's so critical, uh, especially in the run, run game, uh, and for what you're doing at middle linebacker. And I think he handled it about as well as he could have. He's a guy who works extremely hard at, at both the physical side of football and the mental side of football. He probably uh, watches as much film as anybody not named Orlando Brown on this team. Because Orlando Brown, it seems like every time we're in the, the uh, meeting room for interviews, he's in there watching watching stuff and breaking it down. But uh, And also Kenneth Murray was up at virtually every morning over the summer working out and getting uh, himself better. I think it's just impressive to see a guy who arrives on campus with that kind of drive, that kind of work ethic, because that's not something that you see very often, regardless of how much we talk about how much these guys work. You and Brooke had a neat piece at the uh, uh, com, and I assume that it was in a print edition as well, too, kind of looking ahead to where the Sooners stand entering Big 12 play. And one of those questions that we had heading into the preseason or heading out of the preseason into the season has been answered right away, and I love it. And it's the way that Baker Mayfield has spread the ball out. I think I think all of us have been taken aback by how many guys have gotten involved. And I, it looks like we have a legit number one in Sidarian Lamb. 
yeah, he, he has been absolutely fantastic to this point. He was uh, incredible on Saturday before the, the ejection. You know, there's a good chance he sets a freshman receiving record uh, if he, that game, uh, if he's allowed to continue in that game. And he's a guy who can go up and make competitive catches. He's a guy who can beat people down the field. And Baker Mayfield, I think, has gotten so much better at throwing the deep ball uh, since even last year. And that allows a guy like Lamb, guys like Marquise Brown, who has uh, incredible speed as well, to uh, really be big, big deep threats. And I think this offense is, is better for that, having a few guys uh, that can do that as opposed to the one like they've had the last couple of years with uh, Sterling Shepard and D.D. Westbrook. Speaking of the one, do you worry about not one guy clearly separating himself yet in the in the backfield? Now, some would argue that maybe Sermon has, and they're just giving Sutton and Anderson and others opportunities in Abdul Adams. But, I mean, that was one game against Ohio State. So amongst the concerns that you had, which I think is fair, is the handling of the running back uh, cycle, if you will. Is this going to be a hot back theory all year long, you think? Yeah, I think as long as they've got one guy who can perform well in every game, I think they're going to be all right. But it is a little bit concerning that nobody has really grabbed that because we saw uh, Sermon had a fantastic game uh, at Ohio State, but then didn't perform so well on, on Saturday against Tulane where uh, Abdul Adams and Martellius Sutton did. I still think Adams is probably the best overall runner when you look at the, the complete package as long as he can prevent uh, more fumbles uh, like he had a couple of weeks ago that knocked him out of that game early. But uh, the one that really has me scratching my head is Rodney Anderson, who we heard so much about uh, in the preseason and even going back to the summer and spring. And he really hasn't – he's the only one who really hasn't had a breakout game yet. Uh, now, none of them have had massive games, but still they, they would like to have a lot more production out of their running backs, no question. And then the other fair point I think you you bring up, an unanswered question, is uh, is – is this run defense improved? Ohio State kind of went away from it on Saturday, so it's, it's two Saturdays ago. But I think it's a fair question to ask, is this putting an, an onus on the Neville Gallimores and uh, obviously the Devontae Lampkins to be really good inside to truly improve that run defense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they need those guys on the interior. The Kenneth Murray that we mentioned earlier, plus uh, Romar and Gallimore and Lampkins. They need those guys to be really productive and make well play because they feel really good uh, about the back end of things, but there's still a question about how they're going to be able to defend the run, which is funny because it's pretty much exactly the opposite from a year ago at this time. But uh, I'm not really sure how good they are at that. Now, I, I really think Kenneth Murray is going to be a really good player by the end of the season. Uh, I think Gallimore uh, might be their best defensive lineman right now. He's, he's played really well. But they need a lot of those guys to, to do it, especially when you get to into the thick of this Big 12 schedule when you're going to have to be, be able to stop both the pass and the run. We're heading into the fourth week of the season, and I talked with Toby on Monday about this on our podcast, and I'm curious to get your take, Ryan. What have you noticed to be maybe a couple of things that have truly stood out being different with Riley as opposed to Stoops? Has there been anything that's been – I don't know, jarring or, or, or kind of a shock to the system at all, or has it been kind of business as usual? Well, I think in a lot of ways it's been business as usual, and that's sort of how it was set up when Lincoln Riley took over. Now, there is some, some small differences. Clearly, Lincoln Riley's uh, personality is different. Hmm. We've sort of gotten used to 
Bob Stoops' mannerisms, the way he went about things, uh, both in relation to us and in relation to uh, us being the media and in relation to his players and things like that. And clearly Lincoln Riley is completely different in that regard. Uh, and I, But I think the biggest thing right now is the impact that he's having on the recruiting trail has been something that was felt really fast when Ron Tatum, the, the uh, Putnam City uh, player, committed, split from Texas, and they've kept up that re- recruiting momentum since then. Now, uh, I think we're going to start seeing more changes, maybe especially after the year when he's got some time to really focus in on, on what he wants to do differently or what he wants to, to change. But uh, so far, I think for the most part, it's pretty similar. We had from the Oklahoman to the Tulsa world. And when we caught up with Eric Bailey, just to kind of give you a little time stamp on when this interview, we interviewed him on Wednesday morning. So this was when the reports had first started surfacing that David Bourne was planning a press conference. So we talked a little bit with Eric Bailey about the time that David Bourne had as the president at the University of Oklahoma, but obviously going in depth on OU foot. Surprised by what could be going down today at 2 o'clock with David Bourne, or based on the way things have gone the last few months, does anything really surprise you on the beat anymore? Uh, I think the latter. I really think nothing surprises me anymore. You know, it was stunning on June the 7th with what happened with Coach Stoops, and now that this is happening – uh, or, you know, could happen. I guess we better wait until it's official. But, yeah, I, a little, I guess maybe a little surprised. But when you're on this beat, anything can happen. We were just discussing amongst us, me reporters this week, that it's been a slow week and maybe we could just do, catch our breath a little bit. And Nope, nothing, you know, from the contract release yesterday to David Warren to, you know, what's next? I don't know. We'll see. With that in mind, um, if if you think about what a guy has meant to athletics, I know, Eric, you've dealt with him. He came up uh, – I, I believe he was part of that contingent that came up to the world, right, and sat with the editorial board for a while. Yes, sir. He's, yeah. he's, he's been a pretty open book, I think. And, again, I think a fun guy to – and I've seen it from a lot of different angles, but not only a fun guy to, to, to work around and work for, but also a fun guy to cover. So what's kind of been – I don't want to treat this like we're – at a funeral service, but with the end potentially near here for David Bourne's tenure as president, Eric, what what has been your experience in dealing with him and what it was like to cover him? You know, Plank, I've always been very, very appreciative of him allowing me to come up and ask him questions. He's always been very open, very candid. I mean, uh, his candidness was known across the country, especially during all the realignment talk a couple of years ago. Uh, but I always appreciated him doing that, and uh, I seen him last Wednesday. I went to a Board of Regents meeting, and, and I had every intention to go speak to him after the meeting, but that was the same day Patty Gasso's contract came out, so I was off in a corner uh, talking to Joe Castiglione, and uh, President Bourne got up with a couple of Regents to go eat lunch, and uh, I talked to Rowdy Gilbert, and I said, would it be okay to get a couple of minutes with them? Because well, they're already at lunch. It may take a couple of hours. And I thought to myself, that's okay. He's always been good to me. I'm sure I'll have another chance to talk to him. Lo and behold, that might have been the last time I had a chance to do a one-on-one with President Bourne. So, I, I like I said, I'm very appreciative of just how open he's been with us and how, you know, just his, the courtesy of him talking to us. I mean, there's he's talked about everything from realignment to some real tough situations and he's been really good to the media last night the news i guess in details of lincoln riley's contract were, were released was there anything really groundbreaking from what you were able to see and dig into 
Not really. I mean, this is probably a little similar to Coach Stoops' contract. I mean, of course, the numbers aren't as high as Coach Stoops, but, uh, you know, it's typically if you're going to have a first-rate program, a first-class program, this is about what you're going to get. I mean, uh, the performance bonuses, uh, you know, he wins a national championship, 250000 If they show up just in the championship game, it's one seventy-five. Win the Big 12, you know, uh, 75000 What was interesting, though, if they make a non-college football playoff bowl, uh, a non-CFP bowl, he gets $25,000 for the appearance, and that's it. <laughs> There's no bonus if he wins, uh, you know, a non-college football playoff bowl. So the expectations are high not only by fans but in the contract as well. You have, uh, you, you've seen every snap of Baker Mayfield's career as the Oklahoma quarterback. I, I don't know if this is something that I can say with 100% confidence, but, Eric, I feel like he's having more fun than he's ever had. And you have to dig sometimes to try to find that chip whenever you're playing as well as he is. But it, it always seems like he can find something that can continue to, to kind of make him or this team feel disrespected. It's almost like it's an art for Baker Mayfield right now. I agree. I really do. And I think that's a good thing if you're an Oklahoma fan because he plays his best and the team plays their best when there's a chip on their shoulder. And, I, you know, I think that, you know, it starts with uh, – Lee Corso calling them pretenders. Now Joey Galloway is saying that he didn't make any, he hasn't made any tough throws. I think every week there's something that he finds that if you want to doubt Baker Mayfield, he's going to attack that and use that as motivation. And you know, like I said, if you're an Oklahoma fan, that's a good thing because look, look at the success he's had over this past two plus seasons. Are you uh, surprised at all? With the development of C.D. Lamb, I mean, I again, we could sit here and debate the targeting call all we want, but what kind of got lost was the incredible first half he had and how quickly these two have been able to develop some really solid chemistry. Eric, you were there during the offseason. You were there when he was the hit of camp. So has this surprised you how quickly it's come together for CeeDee Lamb? You know, Coach Riley kind of warned us. I don't know if warned's the right word, but Coach Riley told us that he wasn't going to start the season opener as a true freshman just to go out there and catch some balls. He, they, he impressed the coaches a lot during camp, and we kept hearing some things from him, from, uh, especially from defensive backs, guys on the other side of the ball during uh, workouts. They were kind of telling us about him, so you wondered, what, what is this kid about? And He's going to be a special one. It really looks like it. he's got the size, he's got the strength, and definitely has the speed and hands. So he's pretty gifted. And I think that, you know, it's going to be one of those things, too. I think teams are going to start trying to take him away a little more. That's probably the next thing he's going to have to adjust and transition to is being a focal point of a secondary trying to slow him down. So it's not going to get any easier for him, but uh, he's had a tremendous start. And I'm kind of curious to see how he's going to do when they hit Big 12 play. Now, with that in mind, where's your big concern still for this team? Whenever you're writing and you're looking back on what's been three pretty incredible wins so far, one against – a top-five team at the time, but where are your concerns still for this Oklahoma team, Eric? You know, I've mentioned a couple of times on Twitter and, and in a couple of stories that this team is one of only six that have not allowed a touchdown pass this season. They've kept uh, teams out of the air. They've only allowed four touchdowns all season, but none through the air. But in the same breath, you got to remember, they haven't really faced a true passing quarterback or a true passing attack. And I, I don't know if they really will see it, uh, you know, an air-happy, air-rate, until Texas Tech. I know you got Kansas State on the schedule coming up. I mean, I'm sorry, you got Texas on the on the schedule coming up, but I don't think they have the, the passing ability as a Texas Tech or Oklahoma State or a West Virginia. 
so that's the key. I want to see how the secondary does when they play a team that can throw the ball all over the yard. I want to see how they react. I want to see you know, how much Parnell Motley can lock down some of the, the better receivers in the Big 12. We're hanging out with Eric Bailey, beat writer for the Tulsa World. All right, thoughts on Baylor, uh, the matchup this weekend and kind of how you see this playing out. I, I like how it's being presented by the coaching staff. I mean, understandably, they're never going to come in and say, oh, it's a, it's a world different as far as the team is concerned, but the, the proof is in the stats and in the tape. So with that said, you expect a tight one this weekend, maybe Baylor kind of finally putting it all together, or are we preparing ourselves for another route on Saturday night, E? Boy, it's tough for Matt Rule, man. He stepped into a tough, tough situation. He's an outstanding good football coach. You look at what he did at Temple in his last two seasons there. Um, I'm kind of curious if it's going to be like the old days of Floyd Casey when you have a ton of OU fans, almost 50-50 split with Baylor fans because it, it has been tough for the Bears. You know, I really think Baylor's just struggling so much offensively. I think the defense is going to probably feast again on that. I think it's one of those games where if Oklahoma can, you know, put up 14 points quick in the first quarter, get a couple three and outs, and I, I think the tone will be set for the rest of the game. Now the key for Oklahoma is to continue to work on execution, to play a full football game, not have any lapses. So uh, it should, shouldn't be too tough, but you, you say that, and you got to remember it's a road game in the Big 12, and you never know what's going to happen. But I think, uh, I think that they should – Shouldn't have to sweat too much this weekend. Make sure you give both of those guys a follow on Twitter. Great information on Oklahoma football at RYABER, at TW. And finally, I wanted to wrap up the podcast today by heading back to campus. George Stoya III writes for the OU Daily, and is kind of a regular at all the, the Sooner football, basketball uh, availabilities. And George covered two press conferences on Wednesday – one of them involving the retirement of President Bourne. We'll get to that in just a bit. The other press conference is an intriguing one that maybe most of you that listen to this podcast outside of Norman haven't really become too familiar with or haven't familiarized yourself with yet, but it's the proposal by the city of Norman to build a brand new arena. It would be a University North Park area. For those of you in the Norman area, right off of I-35 and uh, 24th there, it uh, runs between Tecumseh and Robinson, the Targets over there, uh, the Legends Park. There's a lot of neat places there. But the thought is there's more room for development. And trust me, I drive past it every single day when I take my daughter to school. There is more room for development. So there was a press conference on Wednesday. Joe Castiglione was at the press conference. So we brought in George Stoya to not only get perspective on the time of David Bourne as the president at Oklahoma, but also this press conference involving a potential new basketball arena in Norman. Oh, I think it definitely has legs. I mean, from India, every indication that I got is that it's it's pretty much a done deal. Um, um, they still need it to go through city council, but the university has already said that they're going to be uh, they're already in principal agreement. So that basically means that they're going to be the anchor tenant for the new arena. Um, and the OU Foundation president, Guy Patton, said basically that OU had to agree to it before they could even – have this project because they're going to probably eventually end up um, funding the help funding the project. So I think it definitely has legs. And um, from now they just really need to um, get it approved by city council, which mayor uh, Lynn Miller said that that should happen in the next few months. Were you, was there anything that surprised you for instance, with Josie being there yesterday or anything that came out of that press conference that kind of caught your eye or, or shocked you a bit, George? Um, I mean, 
I was a little surprised Josie was there because we hadn't really heard that the university was already in on it. Um, we knew that they were going to be maybe a factor, but um, it seems like to me that Joe, Joe was really bought into it. Um, and then the other thing that really surprised me was they talked to, they already have like plans of what's going to go in because it's not just going to be an arena. It's going to be all these other entertainment things like bars and restaurants. And um, Mayor Miller even said that there might be a Dave and Busters. And so I think that kind of shocked me because I was like, oh, wow, they already know what's going to go in there. Maybe a bowling alley. They're talking about movie theaters. Um, so all these different things. But, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm really looking forward to Dave and Buster's <laughs> going over playing some laser tag before going to, going to the basketball game. Laser tag, then get in about, I don't know, a game or two of bowling. It'd be wore out by the time you get to a game. Now, with that said, George, you kind of got your finger on the pulse of the students. What's been the reaction there? Because the big drawback would appear – to be the ease for students to get to and from games. Now, I I don't want to go old school here, but I'm old enough to remember when the University of Tulsa used to play downtown at the convention center. And it was hard for freshmen and sophomores and even juniors to get to and from games. How much of a challenge do you think that could be for students and what's been their reaction to the potential of an off-campus arena? Yeah, I I actually um, asked Josie about that yesterday. Um, and he didn't seem too concerned about it because he did make a good point that the LNC is currently kind of off campus and the majority of students that come to the game anyways are already driving. So I think um, he, he really said that it probably wouldn't make that much of a difference. It's only about six miles, seven miles off campus, and it's, right, it's going to be right over there by that target. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of students are already over there anyways. So they weren't too concerned about it. Now, talking to other students, I know there's a few that are a little iffy about it, but I know there's also a lot that think that the things around it, the bars and the restaurants and the, the bowling and all that is really going to help it to go to games. And I think also um, talking about all this, if it, I mean, I think a lot of it depends on the team's success. You know, I, I, they saw a little bit of a drop-off in attendance last year just because the team was struggling so much. But you look back at those buddy years, that place was full. It didn't matter. So I think really it, it comes off team success too. So I think they'll still be able to fill it, and I think there will be a lot of excitement when the arena is really built. The location, by the way, for those unfamiliar, and especially those that are listening outside of the Norman area, would be between Rock Creek Road and Tecumseh Road, and I think you know George hit it on the head right over by the target. And the agreement is in principle to be the anchor tenant for uh, for Oklahoma basketball at this new arena. And Josie said the university interest level is very high. Hey, George, just a final thought on this before we get to your second press conference you had to cover yesterday. What was the um, – coming away, what's the timeline look like and what appears to be next in this process? Yeah, I actually, I actually asked um, the mayor about that yesterday, and she said they don't really have a timetable for when it would be built, but they do want to get to it as early as they can. So right now they're just in the process of making sure the city council approves it, and she thinks that will get done in the next few months. And then I'm guessing it will take a few years for it to be built. because, But the first phase – of the entire construction would actually be the arena and then all the stuff around it. Let's uh, segue to press conference number two. I think when the story broke, let's see, so yesterday was Wednesday. On Tuesday night, George, was it pretty much known right away that this was going to be a retirement announcement or was there still some kind of mystery heading into it with David Bourne's announcement yesterday? Yeah, so actually we – we were in the newsroom pretty late uh, Tuesday night trying to figure out what exactly was going on. Um, we had a feeling it was a retirement. We had talked to a few um, people that thought that that could be a possibility. Um, but then really on um, 
uh, yesterday when he actually announced that he was going to have a big announcement about the future. It was like, okay, he's going to retire. Um, you know, but I think the question was, when was he going to retire? Was it going to be immediately? Was it going to be at the end of this semester? Was it going to be in June? Like it ended up being. So, um, I think it was a little bit of a mystery, but then I just started getting closer. It was like, okay, this is happening. Did the timeline or anything surprise anyone? Uh, I kind of thought that he wouldn't announce it was going to be immediate and it makes sense that it's at the end of the school year, but Again, that's still kind of open-ended as well. Yeah, I think the timeline, um, I mean, I think it surprised people because it was a little unexpected this year. I think a lot of people thought he was going to try and make that run at the um, longest-standing president in in a university's history. Um, So I think a lot of people expected it to maybe be, you know, two years from now. Right. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, I think looking at it, especially with his open-heart surgery recently and stuff, I think it's probably the right decision. Um, obviously he's done so many great things for this university. And, um, but I think, I think it, like once it started getting close again, like it wasn't that much of a surprise, um, especially sitting there and listening to him talk. Um, I think he, he probably made the right decision for himself. I gotta be honest with you, George. I was surprised. I don't want to say taken aback, but honestly kind of pumped to see the student's reaction. Again, you're no one in life is ever going to be universally loved. It's just, it's almost impossible. But as far as students are concerned, and, and not just current, but past students as well, too, I was really impressed to see the universe, uh, the universal affection, if you will, for what David Bourne meant to everyone as a president. He really had an impact on this student body. Yeah, I think what's special about David Bourne is he really does give all of his students the chance to succeed. Um, I know I can't thank him enough. I've only talked to him maybe twice, um, but he's just an incredible person and he actually does care about you. And he always says his door is open and that's, that's actually honest. I don't know how often he's there, but um, I, I think he's so open to, you know, to students and just talking to them and getting to know them. And I think, you know, a prime example of that is you look at this past Saturday, he went and sat on the bench next to Orlando Brown. <laughs> and, you know, I think he, he really relates to, to students and, I think you're right. You know, not everybody's well-liked, but, man, uh, Debo was really close to being well-liked by just about everybody. June 30th will be his last day. Uh, and uh, so many things, but is there – and this is kind of a tough question. I know that you guys have a special edition out of the OU Daily. I would highly suggest getting over to campus and picking one up because it's. I'm sure it's going to be a collector's item and a commemorative edition. But is there anything that stands out in the Boren era to you that kind of – Towers, maybe even if it's just personal for you, George, over anything that David Bourne was able to do? Well, I think um, definitely athletics. Uh, I know um, this is a sports show, and um, but, I mean, I think, you know, obviously I want to talk about athletics because I think what he did with hiring Joe C. and Bob Stoops and then keeping that, you know, threesome together for so long um, is, is something incredible. You don't see that in, in sports. So I think growing up, you know, watching Oklahoma football, and doing all those things and, and seeing President Bourne be there right by their side, making every decision, you know, things like that really stood out to me. And then also the SAE incident um, was something that was incredible to see him really take a stand and uh, stand up for the school, stand up for himself um, and really, um, you know, make a stand. So I think um, those two things really stood out to me in his career. And I, I think he's he's really helped this university get to where it is today. You know, I think I saw something crazy like, 73 of the buildings he's renovated or rebuilt and he's made this, this campus, you know, one of the top 25 beautiful campus campuses in the country. So I think he, he's just done so much. I don't know if I can point out just one thing, but 
you know, he's done so much for the athletic program. He's done so much for academics. He's done so much for the diversity of the school. Um, I think he's just, he's just been an incredible mentor and um, an ambassador for the entire university. Man, good stuff all the way around from George and Eric and Ryan Aber. Uh, good, good perspective and good analysis from all three. And also we appreciate Baker Mayfield. Mark Andrews, and Stephen Parker for giving us some time. All right, lengthy edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast. Obviously, a lot of news to get to. A reminder, we'll be on the air with a 3.30 pregame, 5.30 kick Saturday night from Waco as the Sooners look to improve to 4-0 heading into their bye week against the Baylor Bears. Until Tuesday, everyone have a great week. Enjoy game day. Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the Air. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.